Hello, everyone. It's Brad, probably better known as Brad Zipper. And today we are joined on the Pioneer Perspective by, of course, Alex. Alex, say hello. Hello. And the man with no introduction needed, but has the greatest introduction in all of magic. It is Seth, probably better known as Safranov. How you doing? Great. Uh, thanks for asking me to be here, guys. And that intro was dead on. Like, it's kind of kind of scary. You kind of nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I also just realized when you got, I mean, it's a bit hard to see on the webcam because it's like so dark over here already. But the uh, the beard length average, like massively <laughs> increased in this episode. <laughs> well, it's funny because working in a school, I, I can't win because if I leave it down or like or if I like keep it like stubble like I usually do then people get used or whatever and i grow it out and they start yelling me you need to shave and then when it gets to a point where like i actually shave it the kids are like grow it back now <laughs> and they go, hey, you can't win and they just get really upset because like they see you every day and they're like that you're basically their property <laughs> <laughs> but we are here to talk some pioneer with the wonderful saffron olive today uh just kind of Pick your brain, see what you think about the format. I mean, you've been a lot more vocal about the format of recent, um, and you've even said a couple times that it is currently your favorite format. Does that still stand true right now? I think it's a format I've enjoyed playing most the last few months, yeah. Like, Modern is kind of my my old standby. I think, like, overall, that's my all-time favorite format. But over the last, like, three or four months, Pioneer's been the format that I've enjoyed playing more than any other. It's, like, just been in such a such a really fun spot. Like, so, yeah, I think I would say that right now it's it's my number one format. And are there any, um, so, like, we, we've, I've seen you play a bunch of like the like the budget series decks, things like that. Um, one of them is actually really fun. It's the Mr. Plow deck. I have it on Moto now. Um, and I was like, I have most of these cards already and the vehicles are nothing. I also have it in paper. It's all foil. Ooh. It's the greatest thing ever because it cost me like $10 to get all the vehicles in foil. Um, and it's surprisingly really good. Like you throw in like Karn and stuff like that and like a little bit of upgrades here and there. Um I've been playing uh, Dusk to Dawn Oh, from Amonkhet out of the board, and that's been pretty cool, too. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, you don't hit your vehicles because they're not crews yet. Um, you get over, like, the big blockers in front of you. Your your small things don't die unless you have a really big um, Ingenious Smith for some reason. Yep. Uh, but then you can buy it back. So, like, that... I've been having a lot of fun with the deck, <laughs> and it's been really cool. I'm going to have to try the Dusk Dawn tech. Yeah, that deck, it reminds me of, like, Honestly, like hammer time in a weird way, how you get these like super fast kind of like jank them out kills. But then you can also like kind of play a real game of magic, too, and can like win in the late game. So, yeah, I think that deck is I don't know. It can have some consistency issues, but the power level is pretty high and it's sweet how cheap it is. I wouldn't be surprised to see it actually like kind of develop into a, like a real at least like lower tier deck in Pioneer at some point. It's definitely the type of deck you can, you know, and I think that's um, something important. It, it's a very fnme deck yeah right where like it's pretty easy to pick up it's just kind of like funny and janky i know someone who plays a similar deck and he runs it with magda for some dwarves oh. and then there's a one-off embercleave in the deck to tutor up with magda and he made an fnm and i think half his wins were like swing oh this like chump your dreadnought it's like grab an embercleave and put it on the dreadnought and that was been 
It's been some pretty spectacular wins. Oh yeah, that that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. You just imagine being on the other side of the table and it was like Embercleave on the Dreadnought, and you're like, on the fucking what? <laughs> uh, I, I do kind of hate Embercleave, honestly, but I, I, putting on a Dreadnought sweet, but man, standard like killed that card for me. Ah, uh, Embercleave. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, but which card is better, Seth? You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fix this for me right now. Okay. The Great Henge or Embercleave? I actually kind of like the Great Henge draws cards. I like the Great Henge. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're biased. Yeah, I'm, I'm very biased. I love drawing cards. <laughs> oh, and so am I, Brad. You're outnumbered here. One card says draw cards on it, and the other doesn't. Like, Oh, yeah, okay, but the amount of games I've played where like my opponent goes Great Henge, and I'm like, cool, you're still dead. Good for you. On the other hand, the amount of games where they play Embercleave, I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Oh, yeah. No, as far as... I forgot that was legal. <laughs> yeah, I've died way more to Embercleave, for sure. Like, as far as, like, which is more powerful, it's probably Embercleave. But as far as which I like better, it's definitely Great Henge. Yeah, definitely. So you should start playing Embercleave. Everyone listening, start putting Embercleave in your red decks. And it's it's only fair, especially with Luris gone. Yeah. But wasn't That's going to be the most hilarious thing to hit off Chandra, which is now very popular. Like, the Chandra dress to kill... <laughs> And your deck is full of one drops, so you're like, yeah, exile the top one. Oh. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but I think to uh to start off with, you know, we've had a couple of questions prepared and uh, you know, we see wherever uh, we end up with them. But I think the first one, because obviously Pioneer's been around for a long time, um, what made you decide to come back? Like was there like a certain event or like a set or a deck or something that really made you go like, yeah, I think it's I think it's time to pick it back up again. Uh, so why did I come back to Pioneer? So really it was I stopped playing Pioneer more or less during the the dominance of the Theros Beyond Death uh combo decks when you had like uh, the Heliod combo deck, you had Inverter, I'm forgetting a third one. There were like three, maybe it was uh, uh breach was the breach, other one. yeah 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 so those three big combo decks in wizards like didn't ban anything forever and it just like i don't know i felt like if i was just gonna get combo killed all the time i might as well play like modern <laughs> and then at least they're gonna combo kill me quickly there so it kind of like killed pioneer for me but then they finally banned those decks and i just kind of like forgot about pioneer because we had like a new modern horizon set and i was doing other things so i think it was really a, a combination of hearing people talk about pioneer and being like hey the format is actually like in a really good place now and modern got all the modern horizons 2 stuff and that was fun for a while but then i got a little tired of like seeing ragavan all the time or urza saga and i was like all right what else is going on in magic right now and that kind of led me back to pioneer and as soon as i played like the first league after i jumped back in i don't know five months ago or whatever i was like wow like this format's in an amazing place and it was just like there was so much diversity it reminded me of modern when i love modern the most of a few years ago where you had like this brewer's paradise aspect of modern where it really felt like you could compete with a whole bunch of different things and you were seeing different decks and different cards all the time and i was just like hooked right back in like immediately once i once i started playing it again yeah that makes sense i mean uh the combo decks really hurt the format for so long where everyone's like oh that's where you had like the pioneers dead meme and everything like that yeah which was fun to endure as content creators for the format <laughs> for <laughs> over a year um but out of all the decks that you've seen when it comes to like what you played in pioneer whether it's budget ones random brews or like actual meta competitive decks or have been played against you do you have any favorites that you really like the most whether ones that you just think are super fun to play or just extremely creative where you're like blown away by how like they someone figured out the deck oh that's 
I mean, honestly, I don't really like this deck, but the Lotus Field combo deck is is pretty creative. It plays a lot of weird wonky cards. It's one of my least favorite decks to play against, but the actual like way the deck plays is pretty unique in the Pioneer format. Uh, as far as just like uh, my playing Pioneer is really weird because I play so many different streams and do so many different videos that I tend not to like stick with one deck very long. I usually play like a league or two and do a video or do a stream and then I'm on to the next deck. So I kind of jump around from decks to decks. I really enjoyed playing like the, the Niv piles, just the five color like Niv piles I find really enjoyable. Um, I, I've played a few janky decks that I don't know how good they are, but I had a ton of fun playing various vehicle decks. I I played like the um uh the grease fang like kind of control reanimator deck with parhelion and then the the more like straightforward colossal plow meme deck which i also really enjoy playing so there's quite a few decks i i like in the meta and there's really not many that i dislike which is kind of refreshing there's not too many matchups where i sit down and i'm like oh no it's that again maybe post banning like control has really kind of become more prevalent and if you're playing jank like blue white control is really good at just kind of punishing you for playing janky fun things but really uh there's there's not too many matchups that i dread in pioneer yeah control is so scary yeah that's part of with in in modern and this is almost goes you know the further back you go in formats the worse this gets where sometimes there's like a matchup in even like legacy or something and your opponent plays their first spell and you're like oh this is like a like a 5% win yeah. type of matchup. Yep. <laughs> and I think Pioneer has less of that, where I feel like most matchups I go into, I have a reasonable shot. So every game feels worth playing to an extent. I think that's really true. You don't have like, I don't know, maybe Tron and Modern is a classic example of this, where if you just like don't have the right deck for that matchup, you sit down and you see the first Tron land, and you're just like, oh, I'd like, well, why am I even playing this? Like, it's not happening. Like, there's no way I can actually win this. That doesn't really happen in Pioneer. Like, sure, there's better matchups and worse matchups, but there's not too many times you sit down and you feel like, oh, this is just a dead matchup right from the start, which I think is part of what makes the format really great. Like, that you don't have those experiences like you might have in other formats. Yeah. Anytime I'm playing a deck, there are often times where I'm, someone plays their first card and I'm sitting there going like, I actually don't know how this matchup goes. Yeah. I've had that happen so many times in the last few days. Like I've been playing like Ascendancy and I finally got paired against um, the five color uh, incarnation deck. Like I've played against that deck before, but never on Ascendancy. I'm like, I don't know how this how this matchup is. And then when they started tutoring for like um, the what's the three mana uh, elf thing that like blows up an art artifact or enchantment, uh, Rex Age. Well, there's that, and there's the there, there's the um, oh Knight of Autumn. Yeah, that one. Or they get Skyclave Apparition randomly, or or they they get um, the Archon of Emeria. And I'm watching them do this, and I'm like, oh oh, this is a bad matchup. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really bad matchup. Um. So that's the fun part of it, where I, I, I'm basically just trying to just wing it, and like I, I, I guess I bring in these cards. But then there's also issues where like sideboarding has gotten harder. I feel like when it comes to Pioneer, because of recent sets. Before, I would look at things like Mystical Dispute in a blue deck and be like, "Yeah, you run four of those." I mean, you kind of, kind of have to. Yeah. But now, I, I'm all, I find myself cutting it to like two, um, or like maybe three. I'm. I'm considering swapping it for spell pierce in a lot of my yeah. decks because Wandering Emperor, March, Farewell, those types of cards. It, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I don't. I'm going against blue white control, but I'm more scared of the white cards <laughs> for some reason. This is weird. <laughs> I don't like it. Also, I want to complain real quick. 
how dare wizards make the white march so ungodly pushed compared to all the other ones the green one's atrocious the one of the worst cards ever the the black one's solid it's it's nice the red one's a a light at the stage that just isn't as good as light at the stage and then the the blue one is so close to being good if it just said non-land permanence it'd be amazing It'd be an, an incredible card. Oh, it just really confused me when I sold for the first time. Like the whole second round, I was like, I can't imagine this draw shoot cards or anything. And it's like, so many cards phase out. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's a thing blue can do. But if it was if it was not land permanent, it would be a built-in way within the cycle to combat other cards within the cycle. Yeah, so then the blue card would be the best one again. Like in good <laughs> cycles. <laughs> we I need I need some consistency, please. It's really throwing me off that the white one's the best one. And being playing ascendancy and watching the control player have four main deck answers right off the bat, I'm like, oh, okay. Sure. But but I think going back to your point you made with the uh, sideboarding that sideboarding gets pretty hard when a meta is so diverse mm-hmm. especially because there is a uh pioneer does actually have access to a lot of strong sideboard options but if the meta is very narrow it's hard to bring in like to dedicate too many slots to it especially if you're looking like lotus field i mean like deafening silence is a really good card but now with Beseju, you kind of want to draw two or three. So do you put three or even four in your sideboard? But it's also okay against Phoenix, but then you play an FNM and it's like Grease Fang, uh, Vehicles, Mono Red, and you're like, I don't have a sideboard. What are these deafening silences doing in my board? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that is the challenge. Uh, that's part of the challenge of the format being so diverse. I run into that with Alpine Moon a lot. That's another card I, I like to use to hate on, like, the Lotus Field decks. But it's just, like, it doesn't do enough in other matchups. And with the meta being so diverse, uh, you really need to have, I think, flexible sideboard slots. I think those are going more and more up in value in Pioneer right now, but, like, post-Lurus banning, just having those, like, flexible, flexible cards in your sideboard that you can get some value out of in a lot of matchups rather than like the really strong hosers that are great in a specific matchup but you might not even play that matchup like you said in an fnm or in your league on magic online like there's a reasonable chance you don't even see that deck because the meta is so diverse right now yeah and then you get these weird like ideas of like if you're going against lotus and now they have access to Beseju, which is tutorable thanks to a uh, sylvan scrying mm-hmm. um or they can even wish out the board you're like okay well now this enchantment like deafening silence is kind of like garbage so maybe i want to switch to like archon of emirio it's the same thing but it's harder to interact with uh, you could draw more than one yeah that, that's true or you could be smart and not play it on turn one or two like your damage series and stuff you wait until your lotus player plays their lotus field and then you're like ha gotcha oh that's that's the best feeling wait till they play it and they like sack their lands and then you drop the the damping sphere of the alpine moon you're just like oh the damping sphere is the best one where just they they do that greedy thing on turn two where they're like I'll play the play the Lotus Field and you're like that's a cool waste yeah <laughs> just so good okay do you know do you know what the best feeling is though Seth have you ever cast Silence with the Emergent Ultimatum on the sack or on, oh, on the stack I haven't I don't I don't think I've played Silence <laughs> in Pioneer with oh that sounds so spectacular I was hyped about oh. Oh, they printed they printed like a horrible silence in Strixhaven. And I was like hyped about that in standard to shut down the emergent ultimatum combo deck. So it made mm-hmm. it's cool to know that that tech's actually working <laughs> somewhere, even though it never worked in standard. Yeah, it, it, that that's really great. But if you but going back to the Lotus thing, if you switch your deafening silences or like whatever to like Archon of Myria, so you have a body so it's hard to interact with. Well now Now they anger it. Yeah. Or the Phoenix player has all the removal in their deck where now you want a deafening silence instead. So it's 
it that's where it's it gets really hard. You're like, okay, do I combat this more than that, or do I just basically take the L and hope that they don't get they don't get me? Which I think that's that's the option usually is you just take your L. <laughs> you're like, you got to go with the best card, and I think it's Deafening Silence, unless you're whatever the ultimatum deck. Yeah, I, I think that's an underrated strategy, honestly. Like in formats like Pioneer, like in Modern, where it's so diverse you really can't build, uh, build your sideboard to beat everything. Like, it's just there's not enough sideboard slots to really do it. So I think you got to be okay with, like, going to your FNM knowing, like, oh, if I run into this specific deck, like, I'm probably going to have a rough time of it, but that's fine. Like, uh, that's just uh, what it's like playing these big, diverse formats. I mean, you obviously don't want to do that with, you know, the top deck in the meta that's 20% of the format or something. But for a lot of the, like, second and third tier decks, like, if you can't beat it, then... <laughs> I don't know, like that that's gonna happen sometimes when there's fifty playable decks in a format. You um you mentioned twenty percent of a format as an example of a deck. I, I do want to ask you, because I think everyone has a different opinion on this. At what point do you feel like a deck is approaching scary, like we need to keep an eye on it, like bannable possible territory when it comes to like meta share percentage? I know it's a hard question to answer because like it's a little bit skewed because the way we get results in, like if you look at the Goldfish page, yeah. it might say 25%, but it really could be 20% or even 35% instead based on how we get our uh, moto results in and how they track it. I really hope we get some paper tournaments coming back soon because that'll help a lot with those problems as far as like the actual metagame page. But yeah, that it'll be nice to get more paper results in. Um I think 20 is where I definitely start to like raise an eyebrow. Not that that's like you got to ban it. But once you start to get up to like 25 or definitely 30, then I'm definitely in the like I'm kind of in the camp that once you get up to those percentages, I'm fine with just banning a deck, even if it doesn't feel that devastating or overpowered, just for the sake of like keeping the format more diverse. So I think 20 is OK, but that's when I'm starting to like take notice of the archetype and be like, all right, let's see where this goes. Like, is this going to, is this going to keep going up and reach that threshold of like, we should do something about it? Or are people going to figure it out? Because once you get up to 20%, you definitely have a target on your back. Like the rest of the meta is going to be aiming for you. Like you're prevalent enough that you can like play cards in your sideboard just to, you know, beat that matchup. And if then you're still increasing a metagame share after you've reached that point, that's where I think you reach the, the, the problem state. Yeah, I think Pioneer had that in, um, I think when Midnight Hunt in that format, we had roughly 20% Phoenix, roughly 20% Winoda. Yeah. And people were getting very scared, but then people just started like main decking four go blanks. And they were basically showing up pre-sideboarded for Phoenix, and their sideboard had a bunch of removal for Winoda. And both decks dropped off like significantly. And now Winoda's back on the rise, but it... I think that is like uh, even when the format's so diverse. If I'm just expected to face a certain deck, then you know it's you know I'll just prepare for it, and that that made me that made me very happy because I was at that point I was a little scared when Consider got printed. Yeah, that really made me think like, oh no, <laughs> like this is going to be in a format with Delve spells. But yeah, I mean right now, uh, looking at the Goldfish page, it's not even in control decks, not even like in Demir and stuff. They don't even run Consider to fuel their dig. Yeah, well, they, they, a lot of them cut dig. It's very strange how little of an impact. Oh, yeah, the control decks are basically, they don't run dig anymore. But I think for white decks, that's mostly because they want to run rest and beast post board. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. I think that's the main reason they do that. And, and, and because Teferi Hero of Dominaria is the card that it is. So, yeah. I mean, and you also have Memory Deluge now, which you didn't, like, not that long ago, which I think helps because then you can, even if you got to bring in your rips or whatever, like at least you can cast the the front half of it and still get value out of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think to add to a question about, because, you know, 
obviously uh, you have a lot of series about brewing and that sort of thing. And I, I watched your 80 walls, like modern list, and that was one of the most fun modern decks I've seen in a very long time. Uh, the Realm Razor against Tron was just, that just felt so good. <laughs> I hate Tron. Tron's like my least favorite deck in modern, but I love beating Tron. <laughs> and I especially love beating Tron with something like Realm Razor, which no one expects. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, like beating Tron in creative ways. It's just, that's just the best feeling. Um, but obviously modern has a much larger card pool and modern has some really weird cards in it that you really wouldn't see anymore nowadays. So Modern obviously has the most potential for brewing weird decks. Yeah. Um, but then, as we said in Pioneer, with how like the format's structured, I can imagine that it's a bit easier to get away with jank and don't like immediately just 05 a league because everyone's swinging Raghavans at you. So like, how's that experience been in Pioneer specifically with like trying the balance between trying to come up with something that's fun and wacky, but also something that kind of works? I actually think that it's easier to brew in Pioneer than it is in Modern at the moment. I, th I think, uh, yes, you are lacking some like janky build around cards that just were printed a long time ago and not going to be in Pioneer. But as far as just like building, like picking a card from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty and be like, hey, I want to build a, car a deck around this card and have some success with it. You are way more likely to be able to do that in Pioneer than in Modern. Like in Modern, it's just so powerful right now, thanks to Modern Horizons 2, that there's, uh, if you're not playing something that's pretty competitive, it's really easy to have non-games or you're just like, oh, there's all these free spells all the evoke elementals there's uh, you know 10 power rhinos on turn three because of the cascade decks so if you're not doing something equally powerful or playing something that can stop that like you just get run over so i actually have had way more fun brewing in pioneer and i think have way more success brewing in pioneer i know i just played this uh super budget chandra tribal deck and like did not win a game with it that was a video that came out recently so not all the brews have success but in general i would i would rather brew i think in pioneer than modern at the moment I was so sad that the Chandra that upticks to shock something, like that one did okay, and that made me go like, oh, I do like that. Like, plusing on removal, like that's yeah. that's kind of my thing, but... I mean, you, you ran kind of bad at times, though, in that deck. Uh, I don't think it was 100%. We were so close in so many games. Like, there was so many just, like, ridiculous blowouts. And some Chandras are really bad. Yeah. Like, some Chandras are really bad. But I think there was, honestly, when I saw some games where you basically drew, like, the good Chandras, I could really see, like, sort of like a mono-red control. Maybe you, like, go in, like, an it shell, you get some of the interesting blue planeswalkers. Yeah. And I was like, this does actually look like it could be a pretty cool deck. Like, I brewed uh, it control when Strixhaven came out around a new Rowan. Oh. Because I wanted to play her with proliferate cards, so I could ultimate her really quickly yep uh i think there's this card from war of the spark that is one on a blue draw a card proliferate yeah and if you just play your rowan on turn three on turn four you cast that for one mana because of rowan's static and then you just emblem her and then the whole idea was to like then brew around with that emblem but like a, a shell comparable to that because that also ran chandra to just have more good planeswalkers that could be a pretty cool deck, I think. That actually sounds really sweet. I've, I've never seen that Ruin plan before, but yeah, the emblem in one turn sounds really powerful. I like it. I think there's a chance. I mean, obviously that was like the budget version. So like, yeah, it was supposed to be free on Magic Online. So it was like super budget friendly. Yeah. But like if you if you did like a non-budget version, you could bring in, I don't know if Shiner Dress to Kill would be good at all in that version. Um, She's also super expensive. I also, I really missed... Uh, the against control in specific the six man uncounterable chandra would have 
would have been really helpful to have something that was just like not getting countered or killed or whatever. Also, with the regulator, just two emblems a turn, like that adds up. Yeah, yeah. I I, I did that in standard. I played a stronger tribal in standard, um, and it was so much fun. And like the emblem was great. And I remember coming over to Pioneer after it got announced, and I was like. I was going through like old like decks that I had like in a box of like standard decks, and I'm like I found the Chandra one, and I saw all like the the regulators and like the 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 Chandra like the the kill spell or whatever, and I'm like, can this work in Pioneer? I can make this work, and then I'm like, oh my god, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, not not quite. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's so much. I agree. There's a lot of brewing potential when it comes to Pioneer. Um, like one of the things for the. Uh, like we have a series or I have a series on um, the playing pioneer website called uh, like a true pioneer. And it's where I try to explore like different cards that like you can like brew around um, things that like could be powerful and could work in pioneer, but and try to, you know, take staples of the format and build around it and like make a good deck out of it. Um, I will spoil the next one I'm working on is the ascendancies. Ooh. Um, so I have a bunch of decks brewed up for all the ascendancies uh right now so are you gonna wait for new capenna and add those five uh, it's it's i'm going to spoil it I'm, it's a two-parter so I, I have the brokers one already made i already have that one made and i have the other ones from like the cons block made as well um but when new capenna comes out i will release a part two of the new ascendancies as well and my favorite so far is probably the Soltai one because it's so stupid because I'm playing like... What does it do again? I, I, I'm i not up to date with any of them that aren't it, Teamer or... The Soltai one mills two um, and then I think it can return something to hand. Um, like, like maybe a creature or something. Oh, I've seen that in Commander. Yeah, it, it's it's not the greatest, but I'm also I'm running Force of DC in that deck. <laughs> And also a, 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 a Scarab God. And then what's the, the Mutate Soltai one from Ikoria that you can bring it back for its Mutate cost? Well, this is going far. That is the... Um, it is... I mean, it is the Godzilla one, but which one isn't Godzilla from uh, <laughs> from uh, Ikoria? It's like Brokeros. Oh, yeah. The the Saltai Mythic Mutator? Yeah, the one that you can pay... Yeah, Brokos. Yeah, Brokos. You can make pay its Mutate cost to come back. Yep. Um, so like, yeah, that, that, that was super fun to make. Oh, I, I don't want to spoil the entire article, but I'm super excited about them. Um, uh, there's, uh, I have an old deck I found in my, I was going through like old decks of like for inspiration for it. I found one from standard called, uh, I named it prison shank. <laughs> it was a cavalcade of calamity deck. Um, we're just trying, this has got to be Mardu. This has got to be the Mardu one, right? It's the Mardu ascendancy with cavalcade of calamity. And it's also running the new Mardu guy from uh from um uh where your attack triggers go off twice but... yeah and i i i'm excited to try that one out I, i'm because i'm gonna try I'm, I'm trying to test them all in moto and like see how they play but that one just seems like so much fun <laughs> it has like all the stupid one drops like just like drain you or like ping you or whatever and just keep going keep going i'm like it could it can work yeah it might work <laughs> that that sounds really sweet that's a that's a really cool series idea. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. The last one we did was um, it was right after Laura got banned, and it was just exploring as many three three and four drops. I think it basically almost they were all three drops, but like ones that you can technically play again in the format because they're not pseudo banned. Um, are there okay? When it comes to Luris and that ban, I know I know Modern's one thing. It, it probably needed to go on Modern or definitely needed to go on Modern. But how did you feel about it when it was banned in Pioneer 2? So 
I will be the first to admit I'm pretty biased. I absolutely hate Luris. It's like my maybe my least favorite card of all time. So I'm happy to see it get banned anywhere. I would say that I actually think Wizard's reasoning made sense to me. Do I think that Luris had to go in Pioneer right now? Probably not. I don't think it was like really destroying the format in the same way it was, in my opinion, really destroying Modern. But I do think that Wizard's reasoning that we're going to keep getting more cheap creatures. Lurus is just going to keep increasing in metagame share, uh, in level of play. And this is going to have to happen eventually. So we might as well just do it now while we're also doing it in Modern. That kind of, that rang true to me. Because I think that I have no doubt that Lurus would eventually have to be banned in Pioneer. So I think the question is like, do you want to keep playing with it for another six months or a year until we get to the point where it's like 40% of the meta and you have to do it? Or are you fine with it just going now? And maybe because I'm biased against Lurus and I just hate it, I was I was fine with seeing it go. And I think, I don't know, I've enjoyed the metagame since Lurus has been banned. Um, it definitely hurts some decks that, I don't know. I think, like, what's the biggest loser from that? Like, one of the Auras decks, maybe? Are those the ones that got most wrecked, probably? Auras basically died. Surprisingly, because that deck existed before Luris. Then Luris got printed, and the decks, and the people were like, wait, this is literally free in this deck. Like, this meets Luris's requirements and isn't the colors. And then Luris goes, and the deck dies. Even though that was one of the few decks that actually performed in the inverter meta because of how fast it was. Yeah, I, I think people put too much emphasis on Luris sometimes. And I think that was like a that was a problem with like brewing and stuff too. Where they're like, well, you can't play this card because you can't play Luris. And now that Luris is gone, they're like, well, the deck that was the Luris deck is basically dead to me now. Like I'm not even gonna try it. So I, I always find that really weird. But Light pause is so insane in the amount of times where I've had someone like dead on board. I'm like, I'm about to kill them. And they're like, here's a 22-22. And I'm like, huh. I, you, when you got it, you got it, I guess. So I, I think Aura is, is one of those that that needs to be played some some more. And it should be played because, it rep, like you said, Alex, it represents a really fast clock. And it can be a really fast deck when it goes off. And you, you kind of want that in, in any kind of format. Just as like the... We talk about like, you know, control policing a format, but we don't usually talk enough about really fast aggro decks policing a format too. I feel like a staple of a good format is a good mono red deck. We have one. Like generally, even though I'm not a big mono red player, I always feel like it's a good police deck for the format because it stops people from like dirtling till the end of time. Because you're just going to die at some point. So you're actually going to have to like start winning games. Um, I will say to your point, Seth, that I think... Now that, like, the dust has settled a little bit, I was very worried when Luris got banned because we saw blue-white control being better and better every week, and then they suddenly nerfed all the good aggro decks. And I was like, I'm not sure if you want to do this. But what I've noticed playing against blue-white, even though the deck's really good, I feel like it's a deck that's actually, like, reasonably attackable still. Like, I found some cards, like performing just really well against the deck like i was playing humans and creatures with vigilance for example so they can hit them with the emperor um you could play a card like redain and on the turn where they're supposed to the emperor thing you play pre-combat and you force them to either play their emperor or not play it at all mm -hmm. and then you could just like attack it really easily 
So I feel like, and like switching to spell pairs instead of mystical dispute, we saw some Delver lists we talked about with uh, Rose on the last podcast that were just straight up running spell pairs instead of mystical dispute. So I feel like it's an attackable deck and the rest of the meta has been fine, right? And I do like how it's opened up some decks, like all the 17 flavors of Rakdos yeah. we've seen which weren't really a thing as much. You know, you had your article, Brad, on some Rakdos variants, and you had, like, basically, like, Arcanist, kind of Lurus-based mid-range and Planeswalkers, and now there are just so many flavors of Rakdos. I have a friend of mine who plays Rakdos and another one who plays Junt, and their lists just wildly change. Like, they have all these ideas, and I went to FNM, oh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker was really good, I'm going to run that one, and oh, I want to run some Planeswalkers, and I want to run some this. And that wouldn't have been the case with Luris. It would have just been like, yeah, I have I have Luris. Should I run, like, a spell that reanimates Luris? Nah, probably not. Okay. And that would have been, like, the deck building process. Yeah, so there's more creativity when it comes to, like, your, your brewing capability. There's more ideas to it. And because... Blue White didn't break the format, I'm happy. Because now there's more freedom and the format doesn't seem to be broken. I, I do really I'm I'm still keeping an eye out for Liliana the Last Hope to be played a bit more. I still think that card's so good. I've been playing it as much as possibly or as I possibly can. Um just because I, I want to get the feel for it more. I want to keep trying it out. I want to put it in every deck I can to like see how it plays. My favorite so far has been an Abzan Greasefang. Oh, I've been playing it in that as like a two of a lot of the list would play like the four mana Soren from War of the Spark, one that gives all your attacking creatures on your art, your turn. They give your creatures lifelink and stuff and it can minus X bring something back. So it's a nice way to bring back your Grease Fang. But I'm like, instead of do that, I'm just going to play Liliana and I love being able to minus mill a bit and then possibly bring something back where I've. I've done it out of desperation plenty of times in certain games where I'm like, I need to have this kill now. And I just middle Grease Fang, hit it, and I'm like, okay, cool, I win now. Or the plus has been super relevant because I, so many times I'm plusing my own Stitcher Supplier to mill more, um, which has been really sweet. And I, I, I think she's really good, needs to be played more. And I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm super. That's that's the good thing about the Loris Band is like I, I can actually do that without being chastised by other players. Being like, why aren't you playing Loris? I'm like, well, oh, that's like my biggest problem with Loris is just like how it pushed so much stuff out of formats. And Liliana is like a great example of that. Like, oh, I don't know. It, it just reduced diversity. I totally agree about Liliana as well. Like, Pioneer is a, a mana dork, like turn one Llanowar Elf type format. Like that's that's one of the first things I think of when I think of Pioneer is decks that are going one drop into three drop off the mana dorks. And Liliana's great against all those like random X ones that show up in, in Pioneer. So I'm surprised it doesn't see more play already. I think it just doesn't have that like doesn't have that home. Like you can play in like the Rakdos mid range list, but then you got to trim down somewhere else and it's like okay do you trim down your like four mana soren your four mana chandra uh do you like trim down your like your fables or like you play less creatures but then if you play less creatures you're kind of taking away some of her value of bringing back your threats um do you trim down on some of your kill spells but then because like yeah she'll function as one but then the bigger things become an issue and it's that's a really hard like home to find yeah the best one is probably the rock like a, a gulgari type of deck yeah um Right, I've been playing that too, and she's been awesome in that. Um, but my favorite card in the rock deck is actually Vraska Golgari Queen because I love going 
uh, Tyrus Tracker, play a land, get a clue, plus Vraska, sack the clue, grow the tracker, and just doing it that way. I'm like, I don't want to pay for this clue ever at all. I just want, to, <laughs> want, I want free value. At that point, Vraska is basically the new Tesseret, yeah. <laughs> where your first clue you sex free. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, that's actually yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. So yeah, like that that it's just really fun. And we mentioned the card a couple times already. We wouldn't be having this conversation about Fable of the Mirror Breaker or Fable of the Mirror Breaker if Lurus was still legal. Like that card's insane. It's being played everywhere. And rightly so, too. Like that card is so good. Every time I play it, I become more impressed with it. Like in Pioneer and in Modern too. Like it's it's blown me away with how good it is like the backside's kind of a must kill threat you get like seasoned pyromancer value out of the front side it's like it's ridiculous that card's ridiculous what i learned which i completely didn't realize but it kind of obviously makes sense if you have two on your opponent's end step you just wait till their end step they can start copying each other because it's not legendary so you get to keep them go to your turn use all your mana to copy mayhem devils and just pass the turn to your opponent and they take like (laughs) five thousand damage that's (laughs) hilarious i love it (laughs) oh that makes me so sad like i'm just i'm imagining being like my problem is when you like name cool things like that i never imagine as the player i always imagine as the person playing against that you're the one losing to it (laughs) why are you doing this to me (laughs) i just i just want to play zombies (laughs) or just like something janky yeah like fable's so good and like winota's even playing it now and i when i've seen it in winota i've been extremely impressed by it there um even Arcanist, which has fallen off a bit, is playing it as well, which they couldn't play that before because of Luris. It's just like, if you're a red deck, uh, you, you, you're, pro- you're probably one of going to play uh, Fable. Yeah, it's probably it's probably just worth it in pretty much any deck. It's just so much value. The aggro decks aren't playing it yet, right? Like Mono Red or Boros. Like it, You think it's good enough there? No, no, they haven't. Too slow? I think the, the current Mono Red build with Chandra, uh, Dress to Kill, mm-hmm. I think it doesn't really work in there because that deck has like 30 one drops yeah. because it goes so well with Chandra. Yeah. And I think in order for it to be good, you would want a sort of like that medium to big red, right? I can imagine this being super good at like copying a chain whirler. If you have a Torbrand in play, it, it absolutely decimates your opponent's board every turn. And I think that's part of the critique people have on the format, which I think is valid is that a lot of, like, mid-rangey strategies like that, they generally don't really work. Um, especially when Pioneer was newer. Um, I mean, when um, Inverter just got banned, so many people basically had the question, like, can I play my Siege Rhino now? No. And it's like, no. Still Siege no. Rhino is still <laughs> bad. And I think when a lot of people think of Pioneer, when they initially think of Pioneer, I've seen so many people think, oh, this is the slowest format with Siege Rhino in it. So it has the highest chance to be playable. But because of these sort of combo-y decks that go over you, like Lotus and Phoenix to an extent, Winoda, uh, even Niv, which is just the ultimate, like, I mean, I think it's more of a control deck, but it does absolutely dumpster mid-range decks, makes it really hard to play these sort of rock-style, dirtily decks. Yeah. I think if we had more of that, I think Fable would probably be the best card in the format. Yeah, I guess that's true. There's not a ton of those mid-range decks that are really like top tier in Pioneer, are there? Like what's what's the closest thing we have to like a, a top tier like fair mid-range deck? Not like Winnoting or whatever, but like a fair mid-range deck. 
I think it's just Rakdos. Yeah. And that's probably because it has... Rakdos is the color combination that has the easiest time killing Winoda. Especially now if you have uh, with Bloods. It's really easy to revolt your Fatal Push or to have a 4 damage Voltage Surge. Yeah. And that makes the Winoda matchup really good for that deck. And then you have Goblanks versus Phoenix and just Thoughtseize plus Clock to an extent against Lotus. So I think Rakdos finds itself in that perfect space where it has just the right tools to fight the aggro de- uh, to fight the combo decks, but then it can still do like the mid-rangey thing. And that's, I think, why Fabled finds itself in that deck mostly. And then John Sack to a lesser extent, because it can basically do the same thing. If you want to build a deck to beat Winoda, you could put Voltage Church in there, got your pushes in there, and you have the same thing going on. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've been playing... I played a little bit of Jun Sack at the last FNM I went to, and I I let my friend borrow uh, my Rakdos midrange deck, and I had it skewed a little bit in the sideboard to really dumpster on uh, Sack. So last round, we were both 3-0. and We got paired against each other, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. He, he too owed me so hard. It was so bad. <laughs> like, he, he, had, uh, he, had, he had three Hidetsugus in the board. Because, of course, I, I'm a dumbass who's like, I'm going to play Sack today. Here, borrow my, my, uh, my really good deck that just kills me in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> um, has three Colgan's Command in the main. Um, it, yeah, it was not fun for me. I'm, he's just like kill your thing and i'm like yeah yeah you kill everything dude i'm sorry <laughs> it feels feels really bad uh-huh. um but those, but those are some of my favorite formats or i'm sorry favorite decks within the format like i really lean towards like mid-range decks and combo decks those are like the ones i like the most um and of course alex is our control player uh playing nothing but grixis but he he plays bad bad control because <laughs> you play grixis <laughs> hey come on <laughs> Or, uh, or as a friend of mine is now calling it just to piss me off, Maestro Control, <laughs> with the new set coming out. <laughs> oh, oh speaking, speaking of the new set, what do, you, uh, what do you guys think of those charms? I've seen some people saying like, oh, this one's going to show up in Winota. This one's going to be like good here. Do you think there's any chance any of these are like legitimately playable in Pioneer? Okay, I want to work backwards okay. because the Naya one got spoiled today, right? That's Naya the- one was today, yeah. Okay, if I if I remember correctly, it's um was, all of them are all the like all the charms are gonna be the three mana of the color of the shard. That's what all your creatures get plus one plus one and trample. Yep. Uh turn a turn. You can make two one one citizens. Yep. Uh they're not humans, which makes people think about Winota. And then something about um what was the third mode? You deal damage equal to a creature or a planeswalker, equal to the number of creatures. Okay, you have, yes. I believe. Okay. I think that's going to be tested in Winota, and they're going to quickly be like, this is garbage. <laughs> Not going to play it anymore. Because what slot does it take? If you're going to play a three drop of that kind of, you know, caliber, or like that type of role that it fits within the deck, you play Fable the Mirror Breaker instead. Because that can churn through your deck. And for the removal aspect, you play the human from Innistrad, which is... Brutal, Brutal Cathar. Yeah, Brutal Cathar. Yeah. Which a lot of the Winota decks have actually swapped. Basically, it used to be three or four Brutal main and then like three or four Elite Spellbinder on the side. They've kind of swapped them a little bit in a lot of lists because of blue-white being so prevalent. Yep. So you go Elite Spellbinder main, Brutal side. Then they have access to Sky uh, Skyclave Sovereign, or not Sovereign, good God, um, Apparition. Um, 
So like Winota already has all that stuff figured out for removal and you don't need any help making more small bodies to trigger Winota. So I think that card is the weakest of the three. I, I would agree. I think uh, yeah, the, the bar is really high for non-creature spells, I think, in Winota. And uh, this is, uh, I don't know. I don't know why people are even considering it, honestly. I was like, what? I mean, I think it's a token thing. Tricks people into thinking that it'll be good, but I think you're right. It's it's unlikely to be good. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people talk about it because some of the threats you play in Winoda don't actually have Trample, even though they're huge. Mm-hmm. Right? The other one's basically Grave Titan, but just like Grave Titan, it doesn't actually have Trample. Uh, I've seen some people talk about, like, do we want to go back to, like, the Angraf's Marauder, like, super combo-y? type of Winoda, because you actually just do not want to give people the chance to untap and they don't have trample. I do think people are getting baited, but they see tokens that aren't humans, which can trigger Winoda, and then they see evasion when my opponent chumps walks my stuff, which is annoying. And they think this card solves the problem, but it doesn't. But I mean, when you think about it, it it doesn't really do anything in that, because like, how much do you really care about trample? Like how many decks within the format are like going so wide where it's like they chump block you for days. Cause like, if you're going, it's like another mid range deck or creature deck. And then you have a Winota hit and then you hit like a, a the, the, um, the big werewolf, the, the grave Titan. And then like some other things like that. And you just have your board and you're staring down like mono red or whatever. Do you care that much that they don't have trample or do you just kind of like, I'll get through eventually. I'll just keep triggering Winota um so that doesn't do anything there and then making more bodies again you already make so many little things with your dorks and stuff and if they sweep them early then that that happens that's part of the deck that doesn't fix that problem so yeah it does seem like a trap but like a really bad one where you shouldn't fall for it (laughs) yeah the problem with Noda isn't that you play Winota and attack and trigger it a bunch and it's not good enough like that's that's never been Winota's issue like that if you get to that point you're gonna win it you're probably like very likely to win the game like the problem is like sticking the Winota and getting in that attack with some amount of board on the battlefield and I don't think this like solves any of those like issues the things that could be weakness like uh, removal heavy decks like the Rakdos deck that can just keep killing Winota like this doesn't really solve any of those problems so yeah, if it said like you're the creatures you control get like hexproof or indestructible instead of um instead of uh trampled, then I, I think about it. But they already get indestructible from Winota when they come in, so like uh, it doesn't Yeah, but then you could argue it protects Winota or something. But yeah. But this this is a deck that just strikes me as like this goes in like Naya tokens. Yes. Ew. Which is like when was the last time we played Naya tokens? When was the last time we played so, Naya outside of Winota? Like um I had a guy on my LGS who always insisted on playing Naya, but he was maybe the worst Magic player I've ever played with. So <laughs> there you go, show's over. We it. we figured it out. Naya's Naya's bad. <laughs> like there there's there's two color combinations of the three com- the three colors that are the worst, and it's Naya and Mardu. I think those are by far the worst ever. That might be true. Mardu's shadow is really good. Oh, Mardu. fuck off. That, that's <laughs> splashing for cyborg cards and shit. No one cares. No, no, no. Ranger Captain of Eos is a hell of a magic card. Okay, yeah. But yeah, that's, Modern that's Horizons. Basic. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a Mardu card. That's a white card. Again, you're splashing. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Is it a splash if the card is one white white? Yes, because it's modern and you have fetch lands. <laughs> you can get away with it. But I think to go with the next charm, uh, if we're going backwards, like the Esper one or uh, the Obscura charm, I think it's called. 
Yeah, um, that one, the first mode alone is insane. Uh, you tweeted out, Alex, that you're happy that uh, Teferi's banned in Pioneer. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Because <laughs> that, that, would, that would give you a reason to go to Esper Control, where you're like, I would like to get my Teferi back, thank you very much. And your, your opponent's just like, I hate this game. <laughs> I never want to play. I never want to play again. I'm tired of it. Um, I want to see that in a Grease Fang. Um, uh, Esper Grease Fang. Just buying back your your Grease Fang is nice, and it, you have the flexibility of the charm itself. They do play sometimes, um, this is more in the Abzan list, but sometimes you might play like Can't Stay Away, which is the uh, the reanimating spell that has flashback for five. Um, but this is just better, right? Because you're already in that control idea I mean, for Esper. So it this enters fits the battlefield tapped. Okay, but you, you do that on... That's huge for Grease Fang, though. Yes, but you want to... You'll do that. You'll hold it up because you're usually holding up interaction anyway in your opponent's turn, and you'll just bring it back on end step and then go from there. The, the Esper one is more controlly, yeah. So I could see it makes more sense in that shell. It seems really good there. But Alex, what are the other two modes? Because I already forgot the other two modes because I don't care. <laughs> I just saw that first one. I was like, "Yep, that looks good." Um, Ooh, Esper hero. The, Let's do it. <laughs> the second mode is counter target instant or sorcery. And the third one is destroy target creature or planeswalker with mana value three or less, which is eliminate, I think. Yeah, that's eliminate. That's that's really good. That seems perfect um, for something like Esper Greasefang. Like that kind of does everything you want, really. Yeah, you don't need to run four of them. You can run like two. It's flexible. You like counter something. Um, you can hold it up as another counter spell. Like, I mean, you that deck runs silence already too. But like, if you don't hit your silence, you have again, it's a charm. It's flexible, so you can hold it up for the protect. Uh, your uh, Grease Fang. Um, you can use it as a kill spell to get something out of the way. Uh, maybe you're going against uh, Winota and the Brutal Cathar, your Grease Fang. You're like, I would like that back, please. Um, so yeah, that that that's an awesome card. Really, really good. I don't know where it goes other than a Grease Fang because the first mode is a little weird in like a traditional Esper control deck. Yeah, what are you getting back? Come with Kai Kaito. Oh, Kaito? Kaito? That's a good... That's actually a really good point. Yeah. Um, Narset, get back Narset, which is kind of nice. Oh, nope. it's it's monocolored. Narset's it's only multicolored. multicolored. Damn and it. it has to be multicolored. That's what makes it so difficult. They have to go into multicolored, and there's obviously three fairy is luckily banned because if it wasn't banned yet, it would be now. Uh, with this card, um, would have been a good one to bring back Luris, but that's no longer an option either. <laughs> All the three CMC multicolored cards in Esper are well, banned. In modern, you can bring back, <laughs> play five color uh, in modern and bring back uh, Renin Six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Teferi. <laughs> that actually, oh, that actually oh, could yeah. be a thing. Yeah. Oh, th oh, that goes in Niv easily. In a, in a, in, modern, in a fire style build, like you could definitely play. I could see this as something like four color. Well, it's a bit hard because you can't hold up interaction once your fire is up. But this could be with something like what are the Rowan twins? What's that card called from Eldraine? The three mana is it Rowan Scholar of Sparks? Three, some, uh, something like that. The Royal Scions? Oh, 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 the oh, the one with both of them. Yeah, the, the one from Eldraine. The is it one? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a nice synergy. That even loots to fill your graveyard. Yeah, exactly. So either to get rid of access copies or like set that up. So maybe in like a yep. like a shell like that, I can see that. I can see it working. Um, counter target incident sorcery is pretty sweet, but I do think an issue with and that's this is goes for every charm. But this is like have your choice of two mana spells 
for three mana that's harder to cast. So I, I do always feel like charms get slightly overrated because people really like flexibility because they can think of all the matchups it's good in, but it is inefficient in all those matchups. Like, black has so much good removal, nobody plays eliminate at this point. So swapping a removal spell for this is like potentially swapping a heartless act, which you would rather play for a one mana, uh, for one more mana for a card you could play but don't. I think, with charms, I think you need one one mode that you really want. I think that's what it comes down to. Like, if you can really take advantage of that reanimation mode, yeah, then you get the other two as kind of like upside almost. At least that's kind of how I view charms. I really want one mode that's key to what my deck's trying to do. And then I'm like, okay, like, sure, three mana, like, bad negates not exciting, or three mana eliminates not exciting, but, like, I'm not playing it for those reasons. I'm playing it to reanimate my whatever Kaido, and sometimes it's going to stop a farewell, or sometimes it's going to kill this Brutal Cathar that got one of my things or whatever, so... Yeah, that's why I think Grease Fang is a really good include, like Esper Yeah, Grease I think, I think yeah. that's the best one. I, I was briefly considering, like, five-color humans, because it gets back your Kudro, your... That your... deck runs eight lands that tap for only humans. Oh, I yeah, can tell you, that, that deck can run one CMC, uh, like, that can run hate cards with either one white or one green in them. And if it's anything else, you're not running it. Like, you just cannot cast it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if Niv would want it because it's three colors, so it doesn't actually work with Niv itself. Yeah, you can't grab it off a of Niv. Huh. Yeah, there's maybe it's just Grease Fang. That might be the only. That might be the only one. I I do think Modern Niv it, it might show up though because you can get back your um. What's that one from Horizons that the two drop that's in Historic as well, and it just gets bigger based on your colors you have. Oh, Kavu. Yeah. Okay. Something. I something hate Kavu, that card yeah. so much. Because if I play against Niven Historic, I'm like, I have to fucking keep my fatal pushes in. Oh, um, is it territorial? Territorial, that is, that is it, yeah. Kavu. And that's like their only creature. It's like four territorial Kavus, four Nivs, and like maybe a couple other random things. But yeah, you gotta if you don't leave it in, it's a five five that's like smashing you on turn three and you just lose to it. So Yeah, and, and then I'm like sitting there with like three fatal push in hands and they never draw their, their Kavu, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is this is fun. I'm thinking of another card this goes well with and in the same deck. If you're running Esper Control, um, what is it? Kaya Orzov Scion? Orzov is super or server. Ooh. Like the, um, at least the one that's like minus to XL something with yeah. CMC one and then XLs to graveyard. Yeah. Yep. Three mana one. Like that goes in a, yeah, in a similar like... deck. And then I can see that could be a deck that won like Liliana the Last Hope, but then like how it synergizes with this card, you might end up swapping to that Kaya. Yeah. I mean, Kaya's... Kaya's not bad. You get graveyard hate and like okay removal. It's 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 not horrible. I view it more of a sideboard card though. Often maybe you can play like one in the main deck, but yeah, that's true. It is more of a sideboard. There's card. like there's no other planeswalkers really to get. Like it, it's through. Maybe this is more of a modern card. The more I, the more we talk about it, I'm like oh, Rens and Teferis and all these things like that yeah. work really well with it. Just aren't quite in Pioneer. I mean, I'm I'm very happy we don't have this problem of Pioneer where we have like Ren and Six type of quality cards. The 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 day we get a standard printed two mana Planeswalker is the day that I'm gonna consider maybe maybe we stop playing. <laughs> I don't. Hey, we, Tibal, we got we got Tibal. Don't forget about that. Tibal. Doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely does. It only counts if you're playing Bring to Light. Even then, it's still a five mana Planeswalker. <laughs> no, 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 no. We mean from uh, original Innistral, original Innistral blog. 
Oh, that one? The I put red, I I deleted that from my memory. <laughs> I no. Shut up. <laughs> I was thinking that you were being assholes about like the the front half of the creature side of Tybalt from, from Oh yeah, uh, no, that, no, that's cheating. That that's cheating. That is cheating. The original one wasn't standard though. It's just horrible, but there there was a standard 2 minute planeswalker. Okay, a good one. Wait. I do love how the first one they made was that Tybalt. And the second one they made was Ren and Six. Yeah. No, no middle ground with two mana planeswalkers. <laughs> no. They were just like, it's either gonna be, man, we we have to make this card bad in every single way, otherwise it's gonna be broken. And then they print the next one and it's like, eh, who cares? <laughs> it's broken. Hey, maybe we'll get a one mana planeswalker at some actually, okay. Do we think that's ever gonna happen? A one mana planeswalker? I bet it does. I think it's not. I don't think it's worth, like, the, the complexity of, like, the card type for, like, new players, right? It would have to be something that is literally, like, one red, and the only option it has is, like, zero at a loyalty counter to it, minus deal two damage. And that would be, and it starts on one loyalty, and that's, like, the only thing that it does, and it's basically a glorified shock. But then it would just be too confusing for new players, and they'd just be like, yeah, it's just not worth oh, it. Oh, you, you know, you know, Alex, it would be... It would be three modes. It'd be the ones you just named, the zero to give it a counter, <laughs> the minus to shock something, and, and a... And then like a and minus a, 10. No, no. And then a minus one to light up the stage. <laughs> That's basically Chanda dressed to kill, but then you lose it immediately. I mean, they'd run it. <laughs> oh, it has to have... It'll have a static, Maybe? too. It has to. Yeah, that's... I think the static abilities might be what can make it work. Like, it's like a temporary hate card or something. Like, a, a deafening silence with, like, some random loyalty abilities. Your your opponents can't gain life or something like that. Don't give them ideas, guys, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see it. I want to see it happen. Oh, Modern Horizons 3. We'll see it then. We'll see Ren and 12. <laughs> I'm sure we will. We skipped 8, 9, 10, and 11. <laughs> we got to skip them. Fuck it. So, so, Alex, you said you're the Grixis control player, right? Yes. What do you think of the Grixis charm? I think the the thing because you're talking like every charm wants a mode that you you're actively think like this is good. Yeah. And because the first mode puts the cards in your graveyard that you don't pick, um, that fuels dick through time really easily. Um, it obviously goes quite deep. It can fuel cards like um, cling to dust too. Like, you play this, and you grab a good card, and now you immediately have to fuel to flash uh, to escape a cling to dust, which I think is good. So I think this will feel like a nice raw as, like, a one or two off, because the third mode is kind of hero's downfall. Right, five damage kills most things you're looking to kill. Um, the only problem is, is that the second mode is basically not on the card. Like, the drained three is... Re like... Okay, you're gonna have these games where you've been attacking with like a gear hook and a hole and your opponent's on three and you draw this and you're like, huh, lightning helix. But that's not gonna happen very often. So I don't think that mode's there. It reminds me of like collective brutality a little bit. Like obviously you can't choose all the modes, but there's times when the like drain for two is like a lifesaver against burn or something. So I could see there being like a little relevance, like in certain matchups where maybe that's like the little buffer you need to stay out to play with fire range or whatever to like you know get your leave your counter spell up or something so but yeah I, I, that's definitely the weakest mode well i i think the the main reason i think that second one isn't super relevant is because of cling to dust which i think is a good card you're probably running one maybe even two off 
And then I would rather just grab a good card that's like gonna progress me to win the game, and I can gain the three life anyway because I now like fueled the escape. That makes sense. But overall, I think this card's very good. Again, one or two of. But I can see like this card playing so well with Dig that it just becomes like a three or a four off. But I find that unlikely. But I would be very surprised if you run zero copies of this. Yeah, it seems really good. If uh, but so how good is the Grixis control deck? I honestly don't know if I've ever played against Grixis control and Pioneer. Like, um, is it actually competitive? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, it's not blue white. Okay, but blue white is definitely like the best control. If you want to play control and you're just like i just care about playing control i would recommend someone play blue white but we had the demir control deck a while ago um which was still like a pretty good deck it's mostly just that blue white became the better control deck and once there is a better control deck it's basic there's very few metas where there's multiple good control decks because there'll be one good one and this one is the one with dovin's veto so it completely smashes the mirror um but demir control was pretty good and now that artifact destruction is a little more relevant, Lurus put a bit of a hamper on him because that spawned a lot of good artifact decks like Ensoul and uh, Anvil. But like the Anvil decks are still around and innovating. That made me really like a card like a Braid. And that made me feel like Grixis is probably better than Demir. And I think Demir is just a playable, like, reasonable deck. So I think kind of the same for Grixis. I would just you know, throw it somewhere, like, in sort of, like, if tier one is, like, the, the Phoenixes and the Winotas of the world, this is, like, a solid tier two deck. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it is partially because I've been playing it for three years. So, like, I think I have a pretty good understanding of how the deck works. And if you look at, I mean, I've sent Brad my list to time, and he just, like, couldn't comprehend it because it's just such a weird list at this point because once you really get into a deck like they get these weird one-offs and you know like exactly what you're looking for like then it becomes pretty good but so it's it's reasonable but the triome is gonna help oh the triome yeah those that that's probably the biggest new addition from new capenna so far at least like the that's a big deal for mana for sure oh yeah yeah with grixis i'd say like tier two if you really know how to pilot it if you just pick it up it might actually be tier three because it's going to feel so weird to play. Um, because it is, especially in a mana base currently with pathways and slow lands, it's a really strange mana base compared to Demir, which is like super clean cut. But once we get the Triomes, you can probably just swap to like Triomes, few shocks, checks. Yeah. Becomes a pretty... That whole puzzle goes out the window. I, I'm not even going to try to play uh, Grixis Control though. I'm, I'm good. I, I own <laughs> I own blue-white control on paper. Just because I like to have is the, the variety of the decks for people like LGS to like if they need to borrow a deck or whatever, or like someone wants to play test. I'm like, I have a gauntlet here. Have fun. Um, but like, I don't play blue white control that often. Um, I played it last night. Uh, the friend that I had borrow uh, the Rakdos deck, I went with him last night to this Kava bar. Um, it's like a tea bar or whatever, where they do like open mic night and stuff. And we just played Magic. And he wanted to test his, um, he just bought into a mono green Stompy. Um, and it's actually really good. <laughs> um, it's another deck that's like, just doesn't exist anymore because people prefer like the car and like really over the top, like devotion, like big style. Um, but like Coco's still great. Um, Garrick's Harbinger is still good. Uh, Questing Beast, I was very surprised by. He's running three of those in that deck. And I'm just like, every time he plays a Questing Beast, I'm like, wow, this is still a really good card. It still really hurts me a lot. Um, but then I, I, we played five matches 
I played uh, Lotus Ascendancy, the the Mr. Plow mono white vehicle deck. I played blue white control and mono red, uh, like a little bit thicker mono red with like chain whirlers, um, like the Eidolon, like the, the, the eight Eidolon effects with that and the, the vampire from uh, the, the gatekeeper. Foul, yeah. Cemetery whichever. gatekeeper. Yeah. Yep. And if he, if he, he basically played a league and in that league, he went one, four, he, do, he destroyed mono red, but I'll be honest uh lotus sucks for him a lot if he doesn't find damping sphere ascendancy sucks for him a lot even if he finds damping sphere because damping sphere is bad against ascendancy you play through it it doesn't matter and then blue white i got so incredibly lucky he um he brought in like the like the uh the pro blue stuff like the ceratops and there's the the hydra and he had me all three game or all three games we played um, he got me down to like two life for the majority of the game. And two of those games, I crawled back and won. Um, one of those, I basically cycled like four cards, had three mana left, and I found double march. So he would try to snake veil to protect it. I'm like, I have another march. He's like, you found fucking two of them. <laughs> Cause I'm just like desperate, like cycle, 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 cycle. Um, but yeah, like I, Otherwise, I don't like playing control that much because I don't like thinking as much when it comes to that that avenue or that <laughs> type of thinking. I love the mathematical, like counting your mana and like Lotus and like ascendancy and like figuring out what, okay, what number is in my deck? What do I need to find? How do I play around this? I love that type of stuff, um, especially like with Kethis. That was like the, the the peak of like your brain hurts after playing three games <laughs> of, of like this deck. Um, but yeah, I don't like playing blue white at all. It feels like a chore because I'm like, okay, pass. Yeah, I'll interact. I had that with with blue white. That's mainly. I mean, I, you know, stuck to Grixis control because when I started, I played Izzet control in Kaladesh, and then Hour of Devastation came out, and at my pre-release, I pulled two Nickel Boluses, and I was like, guess we're playing Grixis now, and I just never stopped playing it. But I tried blue white control in that format with Teferi Hero of Dominaria, and it felt no, like it it was so boring. But I will say my favorite part of control, and that's, um, I really like it when I sit down with my opponent and I cast a card and my opponent has to pick it up. Is it like, wait, what? Like, that just feels really good. Um, and control allows you to do that because, honestly, most control decks is like 55 control cards and just five things that win you the game. And in a lot of matchups, it doesn't really matter what those five things are. So you could just get away with like playing really like cards that I like kind of feel to it. Yeah, you, you literally call it um, like in your article when you did like your Grixis grab thing, one of your sections for like to consider cards was literally consulting the binder <laughs> and you would consider your Grixis deck as like, a, like, let's see what the binder has to offer and then throw it It is together. kind of binder control um, like at one point. It's a, the best kind of control. Honestly, but I think to move a little bit about uh move back to like sort of well i suppose this is also future pioneer but a while ago i think like a couple weeks ago you had your video about pioneer coming to arena and you were a bit worried about like monetization and it's like is it actually isn't it gonna hurt the format now i'm gonna assume that you got a ton of comments and conversations and everything about that video and we also had the arena stream that we're talking about that they really want 
like an eternal format tied to paper. So there was like, so no alchemy cards, no that sort of thing. At the time in that video, you were worried bringing Pioneer to Arena. And you were going, like, uh, should we? Has that feeling changed or do you still feel kind of the same way about it? So I wanted Pioneer on Arena for a long time, and I still want Pioneer on Arena, but I am still a little ner I, I just don't really trust Wizards when it comes to monetizing formats like this, especially when Arena comes involved. Um, we saw it with Historic. Like, uh, that was the comparison that really struck me and, like, uh, drove me to make that, uh, make that video was when Historic came out, Initially, Wizards tried to charge uh, double the wild cards to play Historic, and that didn't work. So then uh, they added all the Jumpstar in Historic Horizons, and it suddenly became a, a like a pseudo rotating format, is what I call it. Like, if we can't just charge you a ton of money, we're just going to make sure you got to keep buying new cards to keep up with the format. And I think one of the things, maybe the most important thing I think that Pioneer has going for it, especially in paper, is it's pretty inexpensive compared to other non-rotating formats. And it really is a format where you don't have horizon sets at this point. You don't have the supplemental products coming in. So you actually can build a deck and play it for a relatively long period of time without having to make upgrades. So I still want Pioneer to come to Arena, and I still think that would be a great thing for uh, the Pioneer format overall. But I am really worried that if that does happen, the cost is going to be Wizards doing like Pioneer Horizons and things like that and taking away part of what I really love about the format. So I, what do you guys think? You play Pioneer probably even more than I do. Would it be worth it? What if the cost of Pioneer coming to Arena is getting a Pioneer Horizon set every couple of years? Would it be worth it? No, um, because I think Horizon sets are what can, in a way, ruin a format. Again, I, I like modern in the sense of I think it's entertaining to watch. And I think the games are really cool. And I think it's it's a really fun looking format. I don't like playing it for, I mean, because of the Modern Horizons cards, mostly because of that. Because I don't like the idea of playing a block constructed format, essentially. And it does feel like that at times. I mean, yeah. I, I think you mentioned in that Pioneer video um, or maybe a previous video, or maybe multiple times, it fucking doesn't matter, uh, that, like, if you look at the top 10 creatures in uh, Modern, even, like, top 10 cards in general, the oldest one was Croxa, and that's from Theros Beyond Death, and that's... Two years ago, something like that, yeah, and, and like, I think nine of them were Modern Horizons 2 cards, like, it was maybe, it might have been Croxa, Luris, and eight Modern Horizons 2 cards, or something like that, but, yeah, it's, it really is a Modern Horizon 2 part, so that's the part that scares me, because I... I'm worried that if they put it on Arena, they're going to feel like, okay, we got to monetize this. And how are they going to monetize it? It's probably going to be Horizon sets they're already doing. They just announced Alchemy Horizons on Arena. And they just created Alchemy like three months ago or something. And they're already putting out a Horizon set. So I'm really concerned that that, that might be the price that we pay and that they would end up hurting the format overall, like if they do put it on the client. So I don't know. That's like, that's my fear. I hope that's not what happens. Like my dream world is they put it on, they put it on arena so everyone can play it and they just leave it as it is now without doing all that stuff. But I don't know. Then how do they make money on it? Like that from wizard's perspective, like if you can just get the cards and play the same deck for a while and you don't have anthologies and all these supplemental products to keep you having to invest. Like I'm afraid wizards is going to be like, well, I don't know. We can't have people doing this. Like 
how are we gonna make how are we gonna make our money so that's the part that Some scares people me. just have playing and enjoying our game yeah. <laughs> can't have that like, <laughs> it's a it's a shame for like a couple of reasons so i've always been like super opposed to like a pioneer horizons but then modern horizons 2 came out and i know there's stuff in like darcy and ragavan and those type of stupid cards and turok to some extent um which is seeing a lot of play in modern now but i also look at modern horizons and like 95 percent of that set is really cool cards with like i love when they put like uh i think dam like putting overload on a which is an is it mechanic which on an orzov card is like that level of creativity i think also really shows that the people who work at wizards are capable are, are like full of awesome ideas and but they just they can't seem to get it right and the five percent ruins it and because again that's that's point. i think there was also like uh, a card with echo cost of discard a card but then a bonus when you're hellbent and like all these like cool old mechanics working together makes for like super interesting gameplay but then they put ragavan in it too and the whole set kind of feels like a dud. Um, and the point with Arena, and this is... I think you also said that earlier, where it's like, we can't trust Wizards when money is involved. Because I'm looking at it in a way, like if you're wishful thinking, is that there's a lot of like people who really hate Arena. And when I ever see like a video on Arena or a Twitter thread, I see a lot of people that like, well, I've uninstalled it like half a year ago and I've never looked back. And... If you have, like, Pioneer as sort of, like, a steady format, there's something for people to come back to Arena on, and then they can get enticed to try something else at time, right? They're, they're not feeling it. They don't like the matter. Oh, I'll give this Alchemy a try. I'll give Historic a shot. And because they're now all on Modo, they are, like, really far away from that. So they're on Modo, playing their Modern, playing their Pioneer, playing Commander, because you can't do that on Arena for some reason. And then you you come and pioneer can sort of be like that bridge idea where like we want this steady format for people to be and then we can like entice them to try other things while not touching pioneer as much i just can't really trust wizards to do that like it's a it's the perfect role pioneer could fill but then they're like yeah but we could also put a couple alchemy cards in there and now it makes us more money in the short term, I think in the long term, that is probably a bad idea. But in the short term, right, they're going to be have the next best year ever. Yeah. And shareholders are going to be happy and they're like, yeah, keep going. That's that's what scares me is I just like it feels like so much of like Hasbro or Wizards or whatever it is. is just like so, as you said, focused on having the next best year ever this year or this quarter rather than long term, because long term, that would be ideal. Like having this format where someone could take a break from arena for six months and come back and their deck is still like sort of functional, or maybe they've thrown a few upgrades from like the newest sets that came out and like can still go back to playing. That's something that arenas really doesn't have. I guess maybe you could argue brawl. I don't know how many people really play brawl, but it really doesn't have a format like that. And I know so many paper players who stop playing for a while. Like there's people who play for years and then take a break and then come back. And that's the value of having a format like Pioneer. So in the in the best case scenario, it could serve a really awesome and important role in Arena. 
I don't know. I just feel like the trust when it comes to monetization stuff in specific, uh, I just have personally, I have a hard time trusting wizards to like make the good long-term choice rather than making the good for them short-term, like this year, this quarter choice. My, my lack of trust really comes down to not so much, I guess the, the idea of like wanting to monetize everything when it comes to wizards, it's more so the disconnect between different departments in wizards. Like you look, we talked about this a um, little bit before we started recording the, the top 10 video on goldfish Seth, where I was saying like, it, it's insane how pioneer was announced right after historic was, or like pioneer was in the works clearly when historic was announced. And it's like, it should have just been pioneer from the get go and it could have been that. Now, we could be at the point where Pioneer is this basically what Historic is now, and that'd be really bad for us now. But that's where that disconnect happens. And you look at that banning announcement of Luris, uh, where they talk about it in uh, their little segment for Pioneer. They say that they want Pioneer to be this place where they can you can use old standard cards. And it can, that's the role they want it to fit. They want it to be a standard plus, not a modern light, and that's what they want Pioneer to be. And they're very adamant about that. When it comes to that department of what wizards is. But once you add pioneer to arena, I'm worried that like, while the paper people are like, yeah, we want pioneer to keep being this. That's the whole idea. And that's the side of magic that we love. That's where Alex, I'm like the, the innovation, the card design, the, the people that actually handle the formats when it comes to a paper perspective. But then when you throw in the other people from the other side, it feels like they just don't fucking talk at all ever, ever at all. Yeah, they're like in different buildings. Just they're in different countries. <laughs> I, I, I think that's kind of true, though. Like, we've seen, like, with some of these alchemy cards being designed, uh, Wizards saying things about how they don't go through, like, the, sa the same design process. It's not the same people. They don't go through the, like, Council of Colors or whatever because they're arena cards. So I think there, I, I think there is. This isn't even, like, speculation. I think it's, like, a fact that there is kind of a divide there between the people making the digital uh, choices and the people making the paper choices. So even if the paper team does have like this awesome, I, I think that plan for Pioneer is great. Like that's kind of what I want Pioneer to be as well at this point is this place you can keep playing your old standard cards and whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean the arena team has gotten that message. And when it comes down to it, like, Who's going to win? It, it sometimes feels like there's kind of like a, a battle interior, like uh, in Wizards itself. There's like a battle between these different camps. that have a different view of what they think the game should be or what they think the format should be. And you never know who's going to win in the in the end when it comes to something like that. So you just hope for the best, basically. Yeah, I want to be a fly on the wall in those meetings. I can imagine that gets pretty heated, like between those departments who just like completely seem to be in disagreement with each other. Because that's what the point you made with. And Brad, you said in the article like, oh, yeah, they want it to be this and this. And I'm like, that idea sounds really good. But it's very, like, you know, past few years wizards to literally just, like, contradict themselves in the next tweet they make, like, following the article. And then just, like, go completely silent to what they just said. Same with Pioneer Masters. Now, I've heard some people talk about that they, and this is a bit speculative, that they have the idea that Pioneer Masters might actually be good to go, but they're just waiting for the right timing. Because they have so much stuff coming in that they, even Wizards, seems to finally be aware of, like, perpetual hype might exhaust your customers. So they might wait for, like, a dull moment, like, end of the year, which is usually, like, a bit quieter. And then they're just going to drop it on you over Christmas. I mean, that could be possible. We know they were working on it like they, uh, two years ago or something. They they were working on it and it was supposed to be launching like in not that long. The Pioneer Master set. So 
maybe it is all done and programmed and they're just just waiting for the right time. I mean, we're supposed to get an announcement about this paper-adjacent format soon based on their last stream, like in the next month or two. So we should have more information at least, even oh, sooner. Very soon, actually, because I, I got a reply to my tweet by uh, who's the guy who runs the arena streams? Uh, Blake, probably. Yeah, he, uh, I can't find it necessary anywhere, but I, I basically just replied to uh, a tweet, a thread he was in and talking about like pioneer and blah 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 and that it's all like how the whole stream was and i commented that basically as a pioneer player i just kind of felt like left out of the conversation because it was i was thrown like the smallest bone ever after like two years of silence and i felt like basically uh, i think i pointed in like it feels like wizards doesn't give a shit about me as a pioneer player and then he just replied to me like, oh, we do give a shit. You'll get something very soon. And I was like, okay. It's pretty forceful. Like, that, uh, that's probably a good sign. I mean, they, they always have the best intentions when it comes to, like, their PR and the stuff like that. But then they do the things like you want to pay double wild cards for historic. And then when they backtrack, everyone's like, Wizards, you're so great. And it's like, no, they tried to fucking rob you. And they they got they had the backlash of the corporate thing of like, I guess we won't do that shit. But we just want they're literally testing it. They're like, what, what can we get away with? I think we could probably we could probably make we could charge double. Yeah, let's try it. If it doesn't work and we walk it back, we're praised anyway. So you win. It's a win-win. Like I, I'm so tired of that. I mean, the, the arena thing is just frustrating in general because of like, again, all the disconnect and like the, it doesn't matter what they say. I just like, until you can basically tell me for certain that something's going to happen. And then they, they do say that they say, they said pioneer masters quarter four of 2020. And they're like, we're just not going to talk about that ever again. <laughs> yeah. What, what was Don't that? We about it. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, do you guys have any expectations for the OP announcement tomorrow? That's the other big thing that's coming up. As we know, Wizards is finally announcing something about organized play. There's a stream and all this stuff. Do you think that could, let's say they announce the return of whatever paper pro tours or something and pioneers in the mix. How big of a deal would that be for the format? Like would, is that something that would really drive interest uh, on the level as same level as coming to arena or something? Like, would that be a pretty big deal if they, it did go that direction? I think it's a bigger deal. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a bigger deal. Like, I feel like uh, when I go to like LGS, I play pioneer. I talk with people. Um, there are so many people that play, it seems like the pioneer audience, like modern, probably worse, but like, are so disenfranchised from Arena that I really have the idea, especially because they, they don't trust Wizards at all with the program, like, in any way. Like, they tried Historic, and they spend their wild cards, and then Jumpstart got released, and all their decks were worthless, and they're like, yeah, I'm out. That even if it comes to Arena, I don't know if it's going to do much for them. I doubt, I think most of them aren't even going to play it on Arena. Because they're just like, yeah, I tend to stick to like my FNMs, my PTQs, that type of thing. I didn't even play, they didn't play much Modo before. So, and, uh, you know, like playing like games online gets the, you know, like gets the worst person in them. Uh, I know there's some people when they play like games online, I have the same too. I tilt way more in digital magic than I do in paper magic. Um, but when we would get more in paper, 
that means more BTQs, that means Pioneer's taken more seriously. So uh, I know, for example, a very, the biggest tournament series basically in the Netherlands is the Dutch Open series. And that generally consists of four events because it's two days and then two formats per day. And it was usually, I think, standard and modern and one. No, I think it was standard and legacy one day, modern and sealed the next day. And when Pioneer came out, the only reason we played it at the Dutch Open is because standard was so bad that they cut standard from the event because three people had signed up. And this is like basically all of the Netherlands can come to, goes to these tournaments and three people signed up for standard and they dropped the and they last minute changed it to Pioneer and it was like a full room. So if Pioneer has like more like it's taken more seriously, it's sort of this snowball effect where, oh, now there's more events on Saturday. That means more people play it. That means the Dutch Open series picks it up. That means more people play it. And then it can really grow to be a big format. And if it's one of the five queues on Arena, I don't actually know if that's going to do much for, like, the paper right. scene. So that might be... It would be more important to have some sort of, like, official tournament support in paper than coming to Arena then, probably. Yeah, because people want to work to it. People like their FNMs and stuff. Because for a lot of people, I think, who play... And I think Pioneer... I think a lot of people who play Pioneer fall into this crowd. That's the idea I get are the people who go to FNM, they try their best to play a good deck, and every once in a while they go to a local tournament, to a PTQ, and that's almost like their pro tour. Where they're like, you know, like, oh, in, an, in the next month, that Saturday, I'm really going to prepare for that one and write myself a sideboard guide, and that's what they work towards. And if that's not there, then they're like, well, I'll go to another LGS and play the modern FNMs because there are modern PTQs and that's the thing I'm going to work towards every month. So Pioneer has to compete with that and at least in the Netherlands the modern scene is really strong here and there's actually a pretty sizable legacy um, scene too in the Netherlands. So it has to compete with that. So at least from a very personal standpoint if Pioneer doesn't get like acknowledged in organized play it's going to be hard for the format to fight against modern and legacy. I would say the expectation should be that it's not only represented, but I think it should be the main format of organized play moving forward. Not from a selfish perspective of being a, being my favorite format or being a pioneer content creator, but because standard, I think, has solidified itself for the last few years that it is a digital format now, which is weird to say. Um, and I think that's fine. I think that's okay that it's a digital format because Arena, it is way more accessible for standard. Uh, oddly enough, it's still hard as hell to make a deck uh, because of rotation, things like that, and your cards go bye-bye, and it's like, I'll dump money anyway. But the people that are gonna play these events um and have these pro tour-esque type of uh you know uh tournaments standard fits the bill for arena pretty easily where in paper because standard is so disinteresting to people because of where it is on arena and because of where the scene is and like alex said three people signed up for that one and every lgs i've gone to the last like year not a single standard event has even fired or um, in most cases, even been considered. It's Pioneer, 
or modern, or they just go to play commander every single time they're there. So I think Pioneer should be the number one priority for tournaments and pro play or whatever they end up calling it, whatever they considered it, um, because that is the new standard. It should be, um, because if it's going to be a standard plus, and that's what they want, and that's what they envision for the design behind Pioneer and the way that they you know, police and create the format, it fits perfectly in that role. It's, it's there. You can take, because every time a new set comes out, we look at it and it feels like modern five, six years ago where it's like there are cards that are going to be in Pioneer. But that's even more so because of the smaller card pool and as well as just the power level of a lot of cards coming into new sets. The fire design is kind of backed down a little bit. We're not quite at Eldrain level anymore and all that. But it, we still got March of Otherworldly Lights just just the last set. Um, we got Considered before. We got Expressive Iteration last year. Um, they're always cards. I mean, Winota completely changed overnight thanks to all the werewolf cards that came with Midnight Hunt. Like, decks are still just changed vastly from these standard sets. So Pioneer essentially does function as that standard format, but it's just more diverse, more interesting, more more brewing potential, more longevity for games to play because I'm sure from your perspective, uh, Seth, as a content creator and with streaming all the time, when you play standard stuff, you get that staleness pretty quickly, especially those dead periods before sets. And while that lame duck period still happens for Pioneer and even Modern to an extent and Legacy and all that stuff too, kind of, it's nowhere near as emphasized as it is for standard because decks are still so the format's still so diverse that it's interesting enough to keep playing. And it's more so anticipation and excitement for the next set coming out rather than why would I even play this tournament coming up? Like I, who, who cares? I, I, there's a new set coming out. I, I got to prepare for that. I got to look at the spoilers and prepare for that instead. So yeah, Pioneer should be the new standard for paper moving forward. I would be not necessarily shocked, but disappointed, but I, I guess I'd be shocked in a way of like, I think Wizards knows better from that that side of it. And with how they've butchered organized play in the last two years, three years, whatever, um, they need a bounce back and they need a win. And I think that'd be a really good win for them to announce that tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'm definitely hopeful. I think that Pioneer is like really maybe the perfect format for for paper organized play really like you mentioned standard has had its issues and then the other big upside is it's actually accessible like i would love to be the person that recommended modern as being like uh, because i love modern like it's my all-time favorite format overall but it's so hard to tell someone like oh go out and buy this 1500 dollars deck if you're if you've never played the format before what do you what do you do oh yeah like uh, the top two the top three decks are 1250 1800 1400 uh like it's really, really tough to get into. But Pioneer, the prices are actually very similar to standard decks. Like most of the top tier decks are 300 bucks, 200 bucks. That's a format that you can really, anyone can get into. So if you want to go and play a PTQ or whatever system we end up with, like you can, like it's available to you if you need to switch decks because the deck that you did have isn't like whatever working out in the tournament scene like it's easy enough for you to do so i i'm fingers crossed that we see some pioneer support when they announce whatever they announce tomorrow because i think that would be a really big deal for the format too yeah i think when i saw um scg indie i think was a team event um 
Now, I know Wizards kind of like pretends Legacy doesn't exist anymore because every time they put something out with Legacy, they get asked about the reserve list and everybody gets nervous. But I, I saw that like 3C there with like Pioneer Modern Legacy and like the type of decks are painted. That, that just so felt like peak magic. Like I would have loved to play in that tournament because the moment my match would be over, I could just be looking at all the other tables because, you know, I Pioneer is my favorite format. But God, do I love watching some good modern or legacy gameplay too. Like, I think those formats are actually really awesome too at the moment. Um, it's basically like a good time to be an eternal format player. So I basically, my main hope, because I'll be honest, the, uh, the bar is low at this point for me. Like, if I get something with OP and we get something, I'm like, that's more than I expected. But I just hope Pioneer to get sort of the acknowledgement it deserves. I don't think it's going to be the top one, and I don't know if it has to be other than accessibility, which is definitely a very important issue. But I'll be surprised if they like they pick it over modern, because modern is very popular. But as long as it gets like a proper place in OP, I think it's good for Pioneer. And Pioneer has been, I mean, at the moment, I think it's a fantastic format, but definitely like, like a year and a half ago or something there was a little bit of worry like is the format even gonna be like alive because wizards basically didn't support it so people like yeah it seems like wizards has given up and if they give it a spot in op i think it sort of gets the wizard seal of approval like no we still believe in this format it has support you can feel safe buying into it and getting into it so that's the main main hope. Just notices wizards. Yeah, yeah, that'd go a long way. Like I want to do a, um, I, mean, I can't tomorrow because I'm not off. But what we were we were planning on doing a drinking uh, game stream with the uh, the economy one, and I'm kind of glad we didn't because we would be really <laughs> fucked up if we did. Oh, I I would have died. Like I watched it later because I was on a holiday. And I was like, what am I doing to myself? Like, I'm only I'm having a holiday, having a good time. I read the whole like wild cards for 50 bucks idea, and I was like, I'm gonna have to check this out, aren't I? And I, I kind of regret that I did. Take a shot every time an alchemy is uh, mentioned. Uh take a shot every time they mention some type of monetization or new pack. No, when when they mentioned like we're gonna have a non-rotating format, return to Ravnica onwards but we're not going to tell you the name <laughs> or how it works. <laughs> I wanted to down every bottle in the house. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this room was something. I could not believe it. It's like, yeah, they call it a bridge to Pioneer, and they're like, well, why, we do, why don't we do Pioneer and stuff? Well, we want this to be the bridge. And I'm like, then is it going to be Pioneer then? Because you just said, what are we, 30 seconds ago, that you're like, we don't know the name yet. We don't know what it entails, but it's the bridge to Pioneer. And I'm like, but it's the exact... <laughs> sets well what what surprised me too about the implementation i think this this hops a little bit just to uh arena in general when i arena first came out you saw like the trailers arena had a lot of animations they literally still used to play the trailer with nicol bolas the ravager in it whenever i see the ad on youtube which like that's card's been out of standard for three years but um because then they had like a lot of animations for everything and voice lines and everything they kind of ditched that too right yeah because first they wanted it to be visual, and then I realized the AFR Mythic Dragons, only two of them have an animation. 
which also felt really random to me. Like, only two got it, and I don't even think it was the two best ones. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what's going on here. Like, does a single Neon Dynasty card have an animation? I... I haven't seen. I can't think of one. I know that there's been like... I think the white dragon does. Okay. Again, just one of the dragons. I think the white dragon has an animation when he enters, but I'm not even 100% sure on that. Peak arena animations, everything, was when uh, Gilded Goose still like screamed like a hawk, and everyone's like, it should honk. (laughs) Make it honk. And they did, and everyone was like, this is the best company. This is the best game. They added them later. Like, Massacre Worm didn't have an animation, I think, when they initially put it on Arena. And later on, yeah. in a patch, they were like, hey, it's got a cool animation now. And that was and that was so cool. Yeah. Like, I think every Mythic and a bunch of rares and other cards from, like, Throne of Valderain, the set when they launched had an animation. And now, like, I, some sets don't even seem to have any. Or they have, like, very, very few. So, I don't know if it's they don't care or if it's they... They're not profitable, so they just like, what's the point? Like, how, how do we monitor? I, I'm expecting them to show up in the store. Like, give us so many, so many golds, and we'll give you give you the animation for your cards again. Oh no! <laughs> but, but like, that that but that's the cool thing about the animations is like, people in my LGS still fucking say some random animation or like lines from Planeswalkers when they cast I, them. Yeah, I do that sometimes too. Like, I, there's a guy who played Teferi, and he's like, let's slow this down. And I'm like, that's the wrong Teferi, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Yep. <laughs> I remember this from when I played Hearthstone, and I think that's also like such a cool marketing thing uh, where animations, and especially like when music playing, is like so, um, so iconic. When it comes to it, like there are certain Hearthstone cards. There's always one card I remember and it's Adric the Pure. And it was an almost playable card from a set from like seven years ago. And I still know the animation, the voice line. I can hear the music that's playing in the background when you play that card. Sometimes I will go out in the street and I will just hear this tune in my head. And it's like, (laughs) how are you here? (laughs) It's just... And it made it so cool. Like, it it really, like, uh, you know, we're, we're dragging off a little bit on, like, just talking about Arena. But um, I think it's just, I, I think this boils down to, like, basically every discussion about Arena ever. And it's the amount of wasted potential. When initially got out, it looked like the coolest thing ever. Like, fi- Magic solidifying itself as the best card game ever by entering the digital age. And then this it's kind of sad, yeah, because the hype was so high when it came out, and everyone was so excited for it, and uh, I don't know. I'm still, I try to hold out hope that the things will oh, keep improving, well, start improving, uh, so I guess we'll see, but it definitely hasn't been, I don't think, what most people were hoping for when it launched a few years ago overall. Yeah, well, I mean, let's try <laughs> to end this on a high note, so back to the whole reason we're here is Pioneer, whatever happens with Arena happens, it's... I have zero expectations. Like I'll have no expectations. I'll still be disappointed. That's that's my that is my expectation, I guess, for Harina. But with Pioneer, my expectations are really high and they're constantly surpassed when it comes to new sets coming out, new cards. Uh, so I guess first I want to ask for you, Seth, when it comes to the cards coming out this year and the sets coming out this year, are you do you have anything that you're most excited for when it comes to like new sets coming out? Um, are is it different from what your expectation was? Ex- expectation was from when you saw the the roadmap last year, um, for like the sets that first came out. 
or like are you still kind of like stuck with like what you want to see the most oh so uh, i will say that new capenna is a set that's really grown on me when they first announced new capenna i was like oh that sounds really weird like urban gangster set like i don't know how that's gonna work and now that i've started to see like the art of it and the pieces of it i'm like really hyped for that set now i think overall this this is just like gonna be a great year like kamigawa i think surpassed everyone's expectations or most people's expectations definitely surpassed my expectations new capenna is looking really good and then dominaria and brothers war or those were the two sets i was initially most hyped for and i'm still really excited last time we went to dominaria i think was like one of the best sets of its era in magic and it's just a classic plane and then uh brothers war is like just such a cool old school storyline that i'm curious to see how they bring that into like the you know 2022 or whatever so i think this is just like overall a really 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 strong year of magic sets yeah i'm in the same boat with especially when you started with like capenna and like wasn't too sure on it like neon dynasty i was very worried like I really liked original Kami... I didn't play at the time, but, like, the aesthetic and stuff of original Kamigawa, I really liked. Um, and I was really hoping... Because I know at the time it, it didn't land very well, but I think, like, now, like, Japanese culture has definitely sort of come to the forefront more even in, like, the West. And I was like, I really want to see their, their spin on it now because I think they can do a much better job. And it went very into, like, the cyberpunky style and I was really, like, wary. Turned out to be a really awesome set and new capenna i had sort of the same exactly like gangsters it feels like it feels too real and now i've been like seeing the cards i'm reading the story i've only read the main story i haven't read the side stories yet but i would really recommend everyone to read them they're super cool they do and even though it is very real they somehow managed to give it this spit maybe it's just because the writing feels so good this time like as opposed to war of the spark where every story like made me cringe out of my chair when i read them these are so good the world building is excellent and i'm super hyped for the set already like just the story alone the only problem with xander is is that he has the worst looking triome but when i see him in the story he is such a cool character like and i'm really looking forward to seeing some of these characters on cards or these scenes on cards like oh i want to see there's one point, I don't know if you guys keep up with the story at all. I haven't, but I think you might have convinced me to read the the new Capenna story just now because uh, you, you sound so hyped about it. There, there's it, it is good. There's one point where Elspeth, I wouldn't tell exactly what Elspeth gets. So Elspeth is a very big character in this story. And she gets chased by some people and she gets cornered and she just pulls like standard action movie, most badass move. And I was not too sure on Elspeth. And the moment she did that, it's like, I'm in. Like, I want to know where this woman goes. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm actually, I'm excited to see the cards. Uh, obviously, like for like uh, Elspeth, but also like Vivian is back. Um, she looks like a police officer in her uniform, which really threw me off. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wonder if they're going to be within the shards at all. Or if they're just going to be like random plopped in. Like they're still like their color identity. Have we? Has Vivian always been mono green? Yeah, she has, right? All Vivian cards are mono green. All right, so give me a mono black Vivian just to throw everyone off. That'd be really cool. They already diverted. Up. There's there's a Praetor here too, so we already got the spice cover. Yeah, that the one that we thought was dead for like ever. And he's got blade arms now, axe arms actually. That's terrifying. 
and and completely unnecessary. <laughs> He's already one of the most powerful beings in the magic universe. Aren't the Phyrexians super extra though? If you see them in the story and like when you saw like Jin Gathak, the way he talks down on people, like all these characters are so extra anyways. I'm I'm kind of into it. And I'm happy to see a villain again in the story, like a real like main villain. Because even though War of the Spark was a bad payoff, uh, just I suppose we're ending on talking a little bit about the story and a bit of a wrap up. Uh, I don't know if you had sort of the same thing, Seth. When we were working towards War of the Spark, I was sort of really engaged with the story because it felt like it was going somewhere. And then last year when we had Strixhaven and stuff, it felt just a little a little random it was all scattered yeah it was just all over the place yeah it was super scattered and i was like i don't there's no like characters full and then randomly luca shows up on strixhaven and he's just a dick and i'm just i i, I don't <laughs> really know what the point of any of this is but now finally with like the praetors coming in again and the phyrexian it's looking towards something again and that's what makes me super excited. Like, there's some, there's some, again, what's about some super cool, like, lore implication stuff on Capenna. I think it's also that. I was thinking, oh, stupid gangsters, whatever. Lore wise, there's like some really cool tie ins that really randomly make this gangster world feel super magic. You're like, oh, no, actually, this world makes a lot of sense in the story. I'm going to have to check out the story now. You, you've convinced me. I never really read the lore stuff. I just do the card thing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to check this one out. I don't know all the side. Well, just the main one. The, I think it's like a 10-minute read per episode. There's probably going to be like five, so it's not, it's not too bad. I still, my expectation for the story is still that because we're going to the, the Praetors as like the main big bad, we still have... Ugin and Bolas in the meditation realm, and I think it's gonna be like a Loki type of situation for Marvel, where they're, where they're like, "Hey, we need your help, buddy," and they and they go get Bolas back, and he joins their side. I am biased in saying I want the, the, this. Then to then <laughs> then then to fuck off and like like betray them later, and just be like 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 what Loki did in uh, Endgame, where he like just takes the the, the Tesseract, just like dips and starts his own TV show. <laughs> I think that's we're gonna have that with Bolas. He's just gonna start his own TV show. Oh, and that's and that's how they tie in the the magic uh, Netflix series. <laughs> Yay, we did it! It's just one of the multiver multiverses that Loki goes to. It's just randomly he ends up on a magic plane. Oh, there's like a billion different Nickel Bolas. They just rip off Loki. <laughs> It'd be great. I love it. I want to see that. Yeah, I'm super excited for the magic, the card game, and all the sets moving forward, and the lore, and all that. Not so much arena, but I mean, I, I play paper mostly anyway, so it's fine. It's, it's going to be a good year. This year is going to be, I think, really, really, really good as far as the actual card game. So I'm I'm hyped. All right. So reminders out the door. We are the Pioneer Perspective, the official podcast of the Playway Discord server. If you want to play some paper magic over webcam and you still can't go to locals, whether it's just too far, not enough people playing, or you really, really hate people in person, you can go ahead and hop in the server and play with Alex and I and all these other people. We have Pioneer. We still have all the different formats as well. If you want to play Commander or whatever, you know, have fun. We have merch on Ink Gaming. If you want to get some cool play mats for either 
the Playaway server or Pioneer perspective, you can go on in-game. There's two links in the description. First one is to our actual store. If you don't want anything with my face on or Alex's face on, you say, that's kind of gross. Then you can go and hit the affiliate link and get any other cool merch you want on Ink Gaming. We still get a little proceeds. We have a Patreon if you want to help out with that. We're still working on upping the tiers for more stuff. Oh my God, reminders have gotten so much longer over the last year. This is why I had you do them from the start. <laughs> I knew this was coming at one point. <laughs> and of course, if you want to read more awesome articles and more things about Pioneer in general, there is the website playingpioneer.com, which also is a Patreon to help support hosting and other sweet goodies we're working on for that as well. And it's not just Alex and my Myself, even though, of course, I know we're so fucking awesome and amazing. That's why you're going to play <clears throat> Pioneer anyway. But you can Humble also brag, check out <laughs> all the other great, <laughs> all the other great uh, content creators, uh, like from Crew Three with Ruckman and great streamers like Darth and um, uh, pretty much everyone you can see on there. So check it out, read some stuff, and get better at Pioneer in general. Social media: Brad Safer on Twitter, Alex Disciple Bullis, literally everywhere, and of course we have Seth Saffron Olive. You can check them out on Goldfish Streaming, Twitter. And usually this is the point where I hand it off to our guests to like plug yourself. But like for anyone that doesn't know who you are, I'd be really shocked. <laughs> but on the off chance someone doesn't know who you are, Seth, where can they find you? What what do you want to tell them about? Whatever. Uh, you can find me anyplace, mtggoldfish.com, the website, the Twitch, the YouTube, and uh, Saffron Olive on Twitter if you uh, want to follow me on there. But yeah, mostly uh, all over the Goldfish stuff. All right, so it's going to do it for us. Seth, it was absolutely wonderful to have you on. It was a great pleasure. Uh, we hope to have you on again. Um, but yeah, but thank you for being here. This is awesome. It was a blast. Thank you for having me, and yeah, I'd love to do it again. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really awesome. All right, so with that, thank you, everyone. We love you. You're amazing. We hope to have you listen to us next week. But until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.